There's leadership and then there's catalytic leadership. What's the difference and why should I care? We'll talk with an expert on leadership next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other encouraging ideas for ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. Welcome to another episode of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. Steve, this is episode number, number 350, according to Apple. And uh, you're a muscle car guy. 350 must ring a bell for you. Yes. The good old Chevy 350, huh? The old Chevy 350. The workhorse. It was a good a good engine. Uh, some of my Jeep friends still use them. But uh, not me. I use the good old AMC 360. But anyhow, uh, enough of this muscle car talk. We've already lost our audience now. Uh, we have a guest today on our podcast. It is episode 350. And our guest... Let me put my glasses on so I make sure I get his uh, bio correctly. He's a leadership coach for Catalytic Leadership. Uh, he founded this uh, uh, this organization uh, years ago uh, to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. Uh, he's also served in the local church now for almost 25 years. He's as a pastor and author. He's a speaker. He's the lead pastor of Southview Community Church. That's over there in uh near the Washington, D.C. area. What is it? Herndon? Is that what it is? Herndon, Virginia. Uh, He served there for over 17 years. He's got a lot of credentials, uh, but uh, he's originally from Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, he now lives in Northern Virginia with his wife, and he's got uh, two daughters. So uh, welcome, everybody. William Cataway to uh, uh, William Attaway to our podcast today. Hi, William. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, it only took me 30 seconds to butcher your name. Uh, I'm so sorry. It's William <laughs> well, C. Attaway. <laughs> I saw the C and I, I jumped ahead. Uh, plus, my eyes aren't that good. Well, William, we're, we're glad to have you here with, with Steve and I. Thank you again for being with us. Uh, uh, we're, 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 it's a pleasure to interview you. I, I thought we would talk a little bit about leadership today uh, because your book uh, is called uh, 12 uh, Catalytic, Catalytic Leadership easy for you to say, 12 keys to becoming an intentional leader and uh, uh, intentional leader who makes a difference. So I'm going to just jump right in here. We'll let Steve Lacey probably throw in some questions here, but uh, leadership, why is it such an issue today in the church? You know, I don't think you have to look far to see the power and the impact of a good leader and of a bad leader. Uh, The newspapers are full of stories of both. Good leaders make a difference because they have influence and they influence other people for good things, good reasons, good purposes, good mission. Uh, Bad leaders will often influence people for their own self, for their selfish purposes or ambition or money or any motivation you can think of. I think leadership is something that we often talk about and we laud and innumerable books have been written on this. But how do you make a difference? How do you become a leader who makes a difference? This is this is something that I've studied now for over three decades. Mm-hmm. I believe it's so important that we learn how to lead well. I mean, as scripture says, to lead with all diligence, like Paul said. What does that look like? 
Like, how do you how do you do that? I'm not going to live long enough to make every mistake myself. I want to avoid as many ditches as I can. That means I'm going to be a student of leaders in every discipline, in every field, because I want to learn as much as I can from as many people as I can. Now, let's back the tape up a minute before Steve jumps in here. Just real quick. Sorry, Steve. I told, I told you I'd let you answer, ask questions, and now I'm not going to let you. But um, when I went to Bible college, I, I had some good leaders, but we didn't really talk about leadership so much. Uh, do you think that's part of the issue with pastors today is, is there wasn't, there's a lot of talk on theology, you know, knowing your Bible, but uh, do you think that's part of the reason why leadership seems to be weak today in some churches? Sure. Absolutely. There's, there's a lack of intentionality around it. I mean, like you, I went to, to college, I went to seminary, I, I went to doctoral school and, and in, in all of that, like not once did I have a class on leadership. It wasn't addressed. We didn't talk about it. Now, like you, I had some great leaders that I learned from. I had some other leaders that were less great that I learned from. I'm a big believer that you can learn from anyone. Sometimes you learn what not to do, but that can be incredibly valuable. Yeah. So let me back up even further. Yeah. So the book is, is Catalytic Leadership. How do you define catalytic leadership? What What does that mean? You know, Steve, when I went to when I went to college initially, I went as a pharmacy major, uh, pre-pharmacy, and had worked in a pharmacy in high school, and thought this is a great way to help people in a tangible way. And so I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna devote my energies and efforts in that direction. I got to got through chemistry and inorganic, and got to organic, and decided that this is really not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm. <laughs> so that at that point, I changed direction, but. In my brief chemistry studies, I learned about the power of what's called a catalyst. A catalyst is something that you add to a mixture to incite or to accelerate significant change that makes an impact. And I had been a student of leadership for a number of years at that point. I went to my first leadership conference when I was 15 years old. And and, and I began to see this word catalyst intersecting my leadership studies. Because every great leader I had ever studied or learned from was catalytic. They would resonate with that definition. They they wanted to to incite or to accelerate significant change to make an impact. So for me, my life has been a journey of discovering what makes a leader catalytic. What makes mm-hmm. a leader where they they are they are they are prog- they're pushing and then they see what could be and what should be. And they are doing everything they can to incite or accelerate action to get the organization there, to get the church there, to get the team or the department there. So I've seen, I've been under the leadership of a lot of different people um, through my career and life. And there's, you know, there's obviously different styles of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're talking about is kind of, you kind of recognize the catalytic um, aspect of leaders. Is it possible to be a leader without being catalytic? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and that that is what most leaders are. <laughs> they they lead out of a, a mindset of maintenance. Uh, and what that results in is a level of, of mediocrity. Honestly, you're just going to maintain the status quo. You're just going to just keep the wheels moving, keep everything turning and mm-hmm. spinning. But you're not really about change. You're not really about seeing anything, anything progress in a significant or tremendous way. You just going to keep the keep the trains running on time. Yeah, so not very expi- inspiring as well, huh? In my opinion, no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the the most inspirational leaders are catalytic. 
Yeah. Okay. So what do you think is holding back pastors in the, in the area of leadership? Is it, you talked about lack of training or, you know, you, you get out of seminary and you take your first assignment and it's kind of like throwing in the deep end of the pool, right? What's, uh, what yeah. are some of the challenges and how do they overcome them? I'm not sure that that lack of training is, is as big of an element as, as might be assumed. That's a piece. And I think we could, we could get much more intentional about that in, in our training and equipping. But the, the fact of the matter is, if you see seminary as your equipping and training time, and then you get that piece of paper and you walk out the door and you stop learning, um, that's a problem. <laughs> you, you can't do that. And, and too many pastors, I'm afraid, see that as the finish line as far as their, their learning and training. Uh-huh. We can never stop learning. To be effective leaders, you can never stop learning. If you want the people that you lead to be continual learners, you have to set the pace. You set the tone for that. You're the, you're the example they're going to follow. So I think one piece of it is, is too many leaders just get mired down, bogged down in the day-to-day in their own personal development. And, and, and that learning posture just fades away. Yeah. What's the role of, of mentors? I think it's tremendous. Yeah. So, uh, and, but you have to seek those out. They're not going to come to you and say, Hey, I'd like to mentor you. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm a, I'm a new graduate seminary and I've just, you know, taken over a church mm-hmm. and I mean, I remember this when I went into management, in my career at a pretty young age, I was like, I was really overwhelmed, you know, and, was was looking for wisdom but uh so what would you recommend somebody that's just starting out they're you know they're supposed to be the guy in the driver's seat for the church mm-hmm. um what do you recommend as far as mentors or, or how to how to access or reach out or where to reach out what's what's your advice there you know in my own journey i look back and i think about when i first graduated from seminary and i was on staff at a church in texas i was one of 12 pastors on staff at this church and I sought out the, the lead pastor there. And I said, hey, I would love for you to pour into and invest in me. I would love to learn from you. Can we make that happen? And he had never had anybody ask him that before. And so I had to be very intentional and uh, you know very direct to make that happen. And I made sure my schedule adjusted to his in such a way that I could make that happen with regularity and consistency. But I initiated that. Um, when I moved to Northern Virginia, uh, I sought out people in this community who were farther down the road than I am and who had more experience in this community because I wanted to learn more about the people here. I wanted to learn more about what ministry was like here. So I sought them out. I cannot tell you how many breakfasts and lunches I bought people and coffees trying to to come with a list of questions, with a notepad and a pen. I'm just picking your brain. I just yeah. want to learn where you've been, where you're going, what you see. I can't tell you how much I learned during that, during each one of those, those conversations. So, but I initiated of, every one of those yeah. is my point. These are people outside the church. How did you? Absolutely. Oh yeah. These are you, other people in the community. Yeah. How'd you go about, you know, identifying, especially if you're new to the community, how do you, how, looked, how was that search? Where, where'd you go to, to find a good mentor? I, I looked for people who were doing what I wanted to do better. Oh, and so some, for some people, I would listen to them teach and think, they've got some teaching skills that I don't have yet. I want to go pick their brain on that. For some, it was, hey, you know, they're really impacting the community through community ministry and service in the community. I want to pick their brain on that. For some, it was family ministry. 
I would listen and watch. I'm an observer. That's that's my that's my thing. I, I watch, I listen, and I learn. And so I would look and watch and see and find somebody who's doing something farther down the road than I am. And and I I want to go, I want to go pick your brain. I want to listen. And I've kept up many of those relationships over the years because I want to continue learning. This isn't just a one-off, right? I think people know more than they think they do, but they think they are way behind the eight ball. But if they're farther down the road than I am, I can learn something from them. Yeah. And were they, was everyone open to sharing their time with you? Uh, I, w- I want to say yes. The answer to that is is not yes. <laughs> no, because I did reach out a number of times to different people who never responded back. Oh, really? For whatever reason, you know, didn't have time, whatever. That's, that's fair. They don't know me from, from a house cat, but um, the ones who did, those made a difference. What if you, uh, I'm sorry, Steve. Go for it. A lot of people get in ministry. Pastors get in ministry because mm-hmm. they love people. They want to shepherd mm-hmm. people. They want to take care of the flock. Mm-hmm. And they may not have they may not have the personality, the choleric personality, or the type A personality. I mean, uh, and this is going in the woods here a little bit, but I mean, how do they develop leadership or, and should they even try to develop leadership? I I think I'm going to know the answer to your question here, to the question here, but uh, you know, what I'm getting at, there are personalities Mm -hmm. and some personalities lend themselves more towards type A, towards leadership, uh, you know, whereas some are like, Hey, I just want to help people. I want to love people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can they be a catalytic leader if they're in, in that other kind of a personality that's more like, I just want to take care of my sheep. Yes. But let me qualify this with a, with some, some context. The, the important thing to remember is that there is no one size fits all leader. There's no one, one picture of what a leader is too often. We think there is, we look at the, the large venue, large platform leaders. And we think if I'm not like that, then I'm not really a leader. Careful because God made you on purpose (laughs) for a purpose. So I, I begin helping leaders to understand how they are wired, not how somebody else is wired. Mm-hmm. Um, too often at the beginning of our of our leadership journey, we want to mimic or copy somebody that we admire or respect. And that's normal. Everybody does that. Yeah. But if you stay there and, and over time, what you become then is a bad copy of a great leader mm-hmm. instead of becoming the leader that God designed you to be. So I'll, I dig into, dive into the wiring of a leader and say, let's figure out how you're wired. Take me for example, uh, on the Myers-Briggs profile, I'm an ISTJ. Now, most people would say that, that the great leaders that you look at, they're ENFPs, which means that they're exactly the opposite of me. <laughs> like exactly the opposite on the opposite stream. Okay. Is there a way for me to be catalytic as an ISTJ leader? The ah, I'm introverted. I could be more introverted. Like that's how I'm, I'm all the way on the edge of that. There's not even, not even in the middle. Okay, is there a way for you to be catalytic in your leadership? Absolutely. But you have to be intentional and purposeful, and you have to stop trying to be somebody else. You have to lean into who God designed and created you to be. But it begins with understanding how you're wired and how you're designed. So um, one of the gurus in this space, I don't know if he's still the guru, but he definitely was when I was growing up through all of this, was John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. And he talked about the leadership-led Sure. Uh, your organization is never going to rise above the level of the leadership. Yes. So if I'm a, I'm a pastor and 
I'm, you know, running a, a middle to small size church and I'm running up against that lid. What are some things that I can do to either um, remove that lid or is it up to me to find someone else that can take the, the, the church further and move into a different position or what are your recommendations there? First, you have to, again, go back to your wiring, understand how you have been gifted and how you have not been gifted. Um, you and I and every person listening needs to realize that we do not have all of the spiritual gifts. None of us we don't have all of them. I have three. <laughs> I don't have any others. Those are my three. What that means is that outside of those three areas of gifting, leadership, teaching, and administration, outside of those three, I don't have a, a specific calling and gifting to equip the church and equip the saints for the work of ministry in other areas. That means I need to find people who do. So for somebody who, like a hospitality, for instance, I need I need somebody with a strong hospitality gift leading in a certain area because I don't have that. That's just not how I'm wired. That doesn't make me less than or make them more than. It, it means that we are all parts of one body. And I think I've read that somewhere, <laughs> that it takes all of us using our gifts for the benefit of other people. And when we all use our gifts, then everybody benefits but if I try to operate outside my gifting and say, well, I should be more hospitable, like I should have, I should act like I have a gift that I don't have. Not only am I operating in an area where I don't have strength, but I'm robbing somebody else in an area where they do have strength and gifting. That's not helpful for either one of us. So yeah, you have to constantly be recruiting. You have to constantly be equipping and empowering. Again, I've read that somewhere, that, that our job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, not to try to do it all ourselves. That's how you avoid the lid, by equipping. That's the goal. That's the bullseye. Yeah. So you can equip the church to raise the level um, yes. by you know, kind of taking an inventory. I kind of, I think back to the the seats on the bus. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. From Jim Collins. Yeah. 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 Tell us yeah. more what. What is the seats on the bus piece? Yeah, I mean, Jim Collins wrote about this and built to last and good to great, where he says, you know, the, the most important thing is finding the right people first. When you find the right people for your team, then you figure out what seats on the bus they need to be in. And sometimes you put them in one seat and that's not a good fit and you got to move them to a different seat. That's okay because they're the right people. Find the right people first, then make sure they're in the right seats on the bus. Then make sure the bus, everybody's going the same direction. That's alignment critical aspect, any organization, any church, too many churches have not been aligned in decades. And you got multiple people trying to lead in multiple directions. It's just like the wheels. Imagine if the wheels on your car acted like that, this would not be a fun ride for anyone involved. Um, the, 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 the key here, the key here is constantly for a leader to be understanding that they don't have all the gifts to be equipping other people and to focus on aligning their efforts in one direction. What is it God's calling us to do? What is the absolute best use of our resources right now to accomplish that? By resources, I don't just mean money. That's part of it. But it's time, it's staffing hours, it's volunteers, it's facility use. All of these are resources that are put into our hands. What's the best use of those resources to accomplish what God's given us to do? That's the job of a leader to answer that question. What are some of the common pitfalls that um, church leaders would have I can see, I can imagine scenarios where leaders are blind to certain elements and then mm -hmm. I'm working, you know, within that church and, mm -hmm. and it's just really challenging because the leader doesn't recognize 
where the holes are or what, what are some of the, the common pitfalls that you see in churches where there's um, a lack of leadership or just a lack of a well-running machine? A couple come to mind, uh, trying to please everybody, which you will never do. Uh, you cannot please everybody by definition because not everybody wants the same things. And often they contradict. It's too loud. It's not loud enough. <laughs> Try to please both of those. I mean, really, you can't. It's not possible, right? Um, that, that's one. Try to please everybody. Uh, a, an avoidance of difficult conversations that need to be had, but you simply don't want to have them. Uh, that is a huge problem in leadership in the church because we think one of the spiritual gifts is being nice. Uh, I've looked in scripture and that's not one of them. Uh, it's it's really not. We need to be careful that we're not avoiding difficult conversations simply because we don't want to have them because they're unpleasant or uncomfortable. Difficult conversations are how we get better. That's how we help one another to get better. That's how we encourage one another and build one another up. And so many of the other one another's that we see in the New Testament. We need to be willing to have those conversations where we share not just the first 90% of honesty that is really easy, but the last 10%. That last 10% can be hard to give, but that's where the magic is. What if I'm an associate pastor listening to this Church Solutions podcast or even just a key volunteer, and I'm I'm under a a guy or a gal who uh, may not be such a good leader, Let's just be frank about it. Just, just poor leadership. Sure. What do I do? Should I just hang in there? Should I make some suggestions? Should I go the other direction? What do you do when you're sitting under poor leadership? First thing I do is pray. I would pray for that leader. And if you're not praying for that leader, if you're just complaining about that leader, uh, then you, my friend, are part of the problem and not part of the solution. Uh, So you begin by praying for that leader. Every one of us need to be praying for the leaders that we serve under. Uh, Second thing is uh, try to be part of the solution. There's such a thing as leading up. We tend to think of leadership as leading people that report to us, so to speak. We're leading down. There's such a thing as leading up. Number of good resources on this. One book that was fantastic that I loved was called Leading from the Second Chair. So any associate pastor listening to this needs to read that book and needs to apply it. So many practical things there that you can take and and utilize. Something that I've used in the past is being proactive in this. And if there's an area of weakness that you see in your senior leader that that you want to be a part of helping them with, I'd go to them and I'd say, hey, I want to learn more about this, whatever the, the subject area or topic is. Would you be willing to read a book with me on this and let's talk about it together? Let's learn together on this. Mm-hmm. Not only are you going to have the opportunity to learn something, but you're helping somebody else as well. Those, mm-hmm. those are ways that, that I have dealt with this in the past, and I would encourage others. But be proactive. Don't just think it's going to get better. Bad news doesn't get better with age. Bad leaders don't get better with age. Mm-hmm. So I've heard the saying, um, if 10% of the people aren't happy with you, then you're not leading. I'm not sure where I heard it. You may know. <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts of that? I think if everybody's happy with you, you're probably not leading. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that that so often we see the absence of conflict as uh, shalom, as completeness. Mm. And that is is, uh, not what that word means. (laughs) I think we need to be very careful that we're not interpreting everybody being quiet 
and 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 peaceful as success because what you could be seeing is complacency what you could be seeing is a lack of movement and momentum what you could be seeing is a lack of leadership um that's 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 a very real danger and i think in a lot of churches they just want everything to be the same week to week no waves no boat rocking just keep everything the same that is not something i see jesus modeling for us in the gospels that is not something i see the new testament church doing uh in fact what i see is a whole lot of boat rocking and when there it, when there are those challenges what are the disciples praying for make us bold <laughs> not Take away this conflict, not take away these problems. No, make us bold. Increase our boldness, God. Wow. Another pitfall. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Another pitfall I see with with, um, leaders is um, they feel like it's kind of, I'm not sure who who mentioned it, but they said, if you feel like you're leading and and you turn around and there's no one following you, you're out, you're going for a walk. Just taking a walk, right? Yeah. And so... How, you know, if I feel like I'm a leader and I, I know where the the promised land is going to be and I know the way to get there, but then my team's not on board, mm-hmm. um, or I turn around and you know I get pushed back or or just unwillingness to follow. What what's your recommendation in those kind of situations? I think in that moment I would remember that leadership is not about getting things done. Leadership is about getting things done through other people. If people aren't coming with you you haven't led them to. And I think that's where I would start. I would start with conversations. I would start with questions. Too many of us want to launch into teaching mode and let me tell you 50 reasons why I'm right and you need to get on board when the solution is to ask the right questions. Questions will take you much, much farther in getting people's buy-in than more sermons. It's all about relationship, isn't it? It is. It really is. I mean, to me, that's the whole nature of Christianity and in life in general, I think is relationships. It's working with people. It's learning from people. It's learning from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Okay. So the book is called Catalytic Leadership, 12 Keys to Becoming an Intentional Leader Who Makes a Difference. The author, our guest today is William C. Attaway. William, how can people... First of all, how can people get this book? You can get it on Amazon. Uh, you can get a paper copy. You can get an audio book. You can get a Kindle digital copy. Uh, it's available in all these formats. Uh, but for the listeners of your podcast, I would love to make an offer uh, because I, I want to put this book into the hands of as many leaders as I can. Sure. Uh, if you go to catalyticleadershipbook.com and you're willing to cover the cost of shipping so I can get the book to you, I'll give you the book for free. That's what I've nice. tried to do in, in this book is capture a lot of the lessons that I've learned both in my own studies of leadership and great leaders, but also in coaching leaders for the last 20 plus years in a variety of contexts, in, in government and military, in academia, as educators, in the local church, in business, small business, C-suite types. In, in all of these coaching opportunities that I've had in these conversations, I've found that there are principles that apply no matter your context. Because leadership is leadership at its core. Yeah. And what I've tried to do is capture 12 of those, those threads that I see consistently, so often, again and again, because I want people to learn from them. <laughs> I want people to, to benefit from this sure. because I want to see a leader get better. I, I love what Craig Urshel says about this. When a leader gets better, everybody benefits. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody on the team benefits when a leader gets better. Everybody in their family benefits, their, their spouse, their kids benefit. The people that they serve benefit. When pastors get better, their congregations, their churches benefit. And so does everything they do. Yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want to see. This is why I coach leaders and why I spend so much of my time talking and writing about this, because I believe that when you impact a leader, man, that ripples, that touches so many other people. It really does. So what's the website again? Catalytic Leadership. Give it to me one more time. Sure. CatalyticLeadershipBook.com. Okay, good. All right. So people can go there and uh, they can find out more about the book and uh, uh, they get the offer. Uh, What do they say? Is there a contact thing there? Or what do they say? Like, hey, I heard the podcast. Give me the book. (laughs) (laughs) You go there. Give us your information. We'll get the book right out to you. All right. That sounds good. Awesome. All right. Sounds good. Steve, anything else before we wrap up here? Uh, that's good. I appreciate the the insight. It's great stuff. Yeah, we do. All right. Well, thank you, William. Thank you so much. We need to have you on again sometime soon in the near future. Well, I've really enjoyed this, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, good. Well, it, well, thank you. All right. And folks, thank you for listening or watching the Church Solutions Podcast. And again, if you uh, want to get a hold of us, if you missed some of that information and you don't want to back up the tape, uh, just go ahead and send us an email, support at streamingchurch.tv. That's what we're here for, to help you and your church in any way that we can. So uh, with that in mind, uh, on behalf of uh, William here, as well as Steve, I'm Phil Thompson. Please take care of yourselves and each other. We'll catch you again next time on another episode of the Church Solutions Podcast. Mm